My name is Chris Evans, and I'm joined by Tom King. Hello. And by Stu Greenwood. Oh, hello. <laughs> Can I catch you off guard then? <laughs> it's not like the music was just playing. <laughs> um, we are here to talk about the Singapore Grand Prix, uh, but we have cobbled together some news um, that's happened in the uh, a couple of weeks off. Uh, we're going to start with our favorite thing, tire talk. Yeah. Woo. Pirelli have completed the first test of the first prototype of their 2021 tyres, which are the ones that are going to be run on the 18-inch rims rather than the current 13-inch uh, ones. Yes. They did over 200 laps of Paul Ricard over a couple of days uh, using a Renault Mule based on their 2018 car with uh, Sergei Sorokin at the wheel. As far as I could tell, it looked like they'd got a 2018 chassis and sort of cobbled some 2019 aero onto it by the looks of it. Yeah, it looked something like that, didn't it? Um, then they also did another couple of hundred laps on the 2020 development tyres uh, with Esteban Ocon driving a Mercedes of some description. Um, the They always say that the data is shared with all teams, but it's got to be a positive for Renault, Mercedes and Ocon in particular um, to be driving these tyres this early on. Like as much as every team gets the data. Data's yeah. not the same as actually running the tyres yourself, is it? Yeah, you can't beat that sort of... I mean, you can give it all the data in the world. For a driver to have the feeling of the tyre <laughs> underneath them, you can't really always... I mean, obviously, it's it's a data-driven sport, so certain aspects of it can be quantified by data, but there's something about the mystique of driving a car that you can't really quantify. It's just a feeling for a lot of, yeah. a lot of drivers, yeah. you know? So um, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely worth um, worth getting the feedback from the driver early doors for sure. I mean, look at look at how well Mercedes are doing now. They ran the, the these tires early doors, didn't they? And they yeah. were one of the yeah. first. And they they always seem to get the tires in the window. That is not a coincidence. Yeah, because most of the teams at that time didn't want to bother with it, and Mercedes went, "Yeah, we'll do some tire testing," and all of a sudden yeah. they were the best on the tires. I I can't believe that. So few people wanted to be involved compared to yeah. Mercedes. I mean, surprised me that at the time. Yes, the data shared, and yes, the teams and drivers don't actually know which compound they're driving at any one time. Like Pirelli, just leave them all unmarked. But even so, you can tell. I think to a degree. Yeah, I guess the question is how much is uh, Ocon going to be telling Mercedes, and how much is he going to be keeping? Uh, keeping on the down low until he joins Renault next year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? And it's interesting that both the Renault and the uh, and the Mercedes ran. I wonder which garage yes. he was in. <laughs> Probably <laughs> flitting between the two. Half and half, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do we want to talk rims? Let's talk 18-inch rims. Um, yeah. We've kind of seen them in the past on show cars and stuff and little demo things, but this is kind of in theory, the proper tyres on an approximation of what the proper rims are going to like in a couple of years' time. Yeah, they look sick. <laughs> they look so, <laughs> yeah, they do, they do so, look so awesome. cool. They look absolutely awesome looking tight wheels. I've got to be honest, when they first sort of started mooting this idea, I wasn't a huge fan, but the more I've seen them, the more I like them. They are actually... They, they just make the cars look that much... They look super and dramatic cooler. and mean. Yeah, yeah they and, do. Uh, yeah, they look great. They look awesome. Um, there's a really interesting side to um, all of this around suspension. So obviously, yeah. uh, we, we all yeah. know, and it's been mentioned before, that the tyre wall is obviously much, much uh, shorter. So therefore, a lot of the suspension travel currently, as the tyres are now, happens in the, in the, in the tyre. It doesn't happen necessarily in the components of the suspension, whereas... On the new tire, there's a lot less travel, so you'll have to. They'll all have to change their um, their setups, their spring, their suspension setups to accommodate the the thinner tire wall. Um, another interesting thing about developing a car with a thinner tire is that concept that we all love called tire squirt. 
You, are we are we familiar with tire squirt? We're, you guys know what tire squirt is, don't you? Let's let's do I a quick tire squirt one hundred and one for anyone who doesn't. Okay, yeah. If you don't know what tire squirt is, um, it's when the car goes through corners and does things, or goes over bumps, and the tire deforms and therefore moves the air around it. And that air moving around the tire is a real pain um, for aerodynamicists because you want a, a nice steady clean flow of air you don't want anything to to change the shape of the flow of air but every time you go through a corner the weight of the car tips to one side squishes the tire down and that creates a phenomenon called tire squirt it squirts the air out either way from either side of the tire the interesting thing about these new tires is because there's so much less tire wall to them in theory there should be a lot less tire squirt as well so it makes it a lot easier for the aerodynamicists to um, to develop the underside of the car. And these new cars for 2021 are going to be uh, underfloor, downforce driven. So this is a really big bonus for the aerodynamicists. This is going to really, really help them with the development That's of those point, cars. That's a good point, yeah. And um, yeah, it'll, they should be able to make all that downforce much, much more efficiently with the new tyre. The other interesting thing about these giant rims that they're putting on them is brake cooling as well. There's going to be a lot more air able to get into that part of the car to keep the brakes cool. So you'll probably see them start to run smaller brake discs than they've had in the past because yeah, they weigh less. Smaller ducts as well. Um, Yeah, yeah. Which again, then it has an impact on your aero because you're forcing less air through the brakes to keep them cool, so you can use it in other areas. It just goes to show how much changing a single component can just cascade onto all exactly, kinds of yeah, other bits of the definitely. car. Definitely, this is it. So, like, the, what seems like a relatively innocuous change to the car, and almost an aesthetic change, actually has huge ramifications across the the entire development of the car. It's it's not as simple as just changing the wheel size. It has a massive impact on 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 the entire on all kinds of dynamics within the vehicle it's really really interesting i find it really exciting yeah which i guess is even more worrying for the teams who are still if they're on schedule a month away from getting the 2021 rules where they're gonna have to start working out how to design a car with the biggest rule change in a very good number of years yeah so is this so that these new tires they're going to be 2020 right the 18-inch rims are 2021, but they're also working on new compounds oh, right. for 2020. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, yes. cool. That makes sense. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's kind of good to see Pirelli not standing still and saying, oh, well, there's only one more year before there's a big change, so let's just sort of stay put. They're still working on getting things right for next year as well, which is good to see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. In other 2021 news because we talk about 2021 more than 2019 these days um (laughs) plans that were kind of rumored to bring back refueling have reportedly been dropped after the most recent uh, f1 strategy group meeting um we've talked in the past about all the reasons why we think bringing back refueling is a bad idea and they were basically all the reasons why the f1 strategy group decided not to do it um (laughs) there was also talk of having three mandatory tires per race therefore forcing two pit stops a race but that's also apparently being rejected um so yes a lot of the wilder ideas are kind of being being suppressed it sounds like from these strategy group meetings which which Mm. bodes well i think yeah i mean free i mean i already hate the rule that they've that they have to run two different kinds of tire in the race i think that's stupid yeah we had we had a conversation recently didn't we about how how it could differ if they laxed that rule a little bit and you sort of got teams maybe trying to do the whole duration of the race on the hardest compound because it had last and other teams doing multiple stops on the softest and nothing but it was I'd be interested to at least see it and maybe I don't know maybe there's some way of at least having a race or two that you maybe trial something like that. I don't mm. know. I, 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 there's, there's just something for me about like uh, adding an arbitrary ruling is the thing. Mm. Like it, it already feels arbitrary that they have to that the top ten have to run the same tire that they qualify on. I think that's a ridiculous rule. It's so it's, dumb. 
you know what? I remember I remember this sort of philosophy behind it, and the, I think the idea was in some way to try and handicap those fastest cars yeah. into everyone else behind them on the grid having a bit of an ability to catch them in the race. But the problem is now that the cars at the very, very sharp end are that far ahead that it doesn't even matter. They yeah. just qualify on they qualify on a lower compound in the first place anyway because they know that this is coming. Or, well, a harder compound. So yeah, so it's Q2, it's the Q2 role we're thinking of here, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. because that was another one. They, they obviously adjusted it. To, it used to be the Q3 tyres, didn't it? Where, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the ones that you set your ultimate lap on were the ones that you used. And then they yeah. tweaked it so that it was Q2. Yeah. But then teams just started using harder tyres in Q2, especially like Mercedes and, and on occasion Ferrari. Yeah. Um, That's so, the thing. It's just, it's it's such a... It's kind of a flawed rule because if the teams are so much quicker than the people they're racing against outside of the top 10, that they can just put whatever tire on and, and start on that. They can choose, they're choosing their strategy in Q2 and it just seems, yeah. we're on a bit of a tangent here, but it just seems pointless. <laughs> like if it feels like a, the, the, the purpose of the rule has has been transcended so, by, the, yeah. by the gulf between the top teams and the lower teams. Definitely. Well, I, I can link this back together. I can link this back into us making it sound like we planned all of this. <laughs> so, so you mentioned like the idea of maybe trying things out where maybe let them do a whole race on a single set of tyres. Well, mm. another thing to go at the strategy group meetings um, <laughs> is uh, Ferrari team principal, Matai Bonotto specifically, uh, told Italian media that teams have back plans to use up to three rounds of next season to experiment with uh, race weekend formats. Um, it's yet to be actually confirmed officially, but he said that they basically are open to the idea of using a couple of rounds next season just to try some different formats of the weekend. Um, one potential idea was running mini qualifying races on Saturday to determine the grid. Uh, there was also full reverse grid races talked about or uh, Formula 2 style partial reverse grid races uh, be that as qualifying races or as kind of standalone sprint races um, yay I like this idea um, do you want to hear my definitive um, race weekend that I've written oh, yeah we talked about it you, weeks you ago, started we? trying last yeah. week yeah, yeah we did I keep, I keep mentioning it on here and I keep getting it wrong <laughs> well I've written it down this week um, so <laughs> sounds like a good start. This, this is actually the first time I've ever written anything down for this podcast so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that. <laughs> other, other than other than like planning the episode, like it better yeah, be good. It's just, oh, it's not going to be. Um, so Friday, um, no real change on Friday. Two one and a half hour sessions uh, for practice. So and the reason I've kept it the same is because Friday is a good opportunity to run young drivers. So and I don't want to lose that. I don't want the young drivers to get to miss out and not get a chance to drive the cars and and test. So. That's the main reason that I've had to make that stay. So that Friday mm-hmm. stays as it is. Saturday mm-hmm. is where it gets interesting. So Saturday in the morning um, where you'd have Q3 for that hour, instead we run qualifying as we run it now. So free, set, free qualifying sessions, exactly the same format. Sets the, that sets the grid for the regular GP on Sunday. And then on Saturday afternoon... Because we've gotten rid of, we've got that slot where we can, you know, we can run the Formula One cars again. I propose a reverse championship grid race, a sprint race for that hour, mm-hmm. um, and it's based on the ch- championship order in reverse, and it's for half points. So that gives the lower teams chance to score some decent points and be in the mix, and it gives the audience the excitement of watching the very fastest car in theory, over a championship, come from the back of the grid to somewhere near the front, hopefully. Yep. Um, and then Sunday, like I said, regular or Grand Prix, just same as we run now, 70-odd, however many laps, depending on yep. the track, obviously. Um, yeah, that's my race weekend. That's it. What do you think to that, guys? That's broadly what I would go for, I think. Yeah, the... the the thing that I was thinking is pretty much the same thing other than potentially your, your race would actually set a grid for the Sunday as well rather than be half points. But either or, it's still... I, I think that the thing that it does is it achieves two things for me, both 
doing it your way with the half points or doing it as like a a grid setter for Sunday is the two things that it achieves is cars are forced to develop something that can definitely run through traffic because yeah. they're going to need to if they want to get through that reverse championship grid for the points or for the the better qualifying position whatever it ends up being and the other thing is that the the best teams quote unquote like mercedes ferrari and and so on they will still ultimately end up where they are at the minute in theory. like yeah. if you took the current grid and did that that we that we're suggesting doing those top teams would still end up at the front and we know this is a fact because we watch lewis seb charles max they all drive from the back of the grid with like some kind of engine replacement penalty or you know yeah. ice uh, replacement penalty whatever it is and they drive through that pack and they end up at like you know the top six spots where they should yeah, be yeah, yeah. if not win the race so it's not like it's impossible i know it's obviously over uh, a longer duration yeah, than it's the over average Saturday two hours race that, would it? be yeah. but it's still but if they develop the cars differently to accommodate for the fact that they'd be doing this knowing they'd do it i think they'd probably have a better shout of getting through the field. So yeah. I think it'd be make it a lot more interesting. And you've got two races of an F one caliber to watch over exactly. a race weekend. And the the drivers want to be racing is the thing. They don't want to yeah. be just pootling around like practicing gathering data. They want to be wheel to wheel with other drivers. Um yeah. and the audience want to see that as well. And this is the reason why I've I've sort of in added this extra race to it. Because qualifying yeah, qualifying is exciting. I enjoy watching qualifying. It's it's you know, it sets the order for Sunday. Yeah. And that is an exciting thing to see, especially when they've been as close as they have at, at times over the years. Um, yeah. The the practice sessions, you need the practice sessions. You need to install, you need to do your install laps, get, make sure your car's working in the first place. Um, but yeah. But two is but, plenty. Yeah, two, 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 one and a half hours, like three hours of practice is absolutely plenty. Yeah. Um, the... The afternoon race on a Saturday just gives us all way more. It's way more exciting to watch than practices on a Saturday morning. Like who tunes in to practice on a Saturday morning, really, when there's two hours between practice and qualifying? Yeah, you've got to be pretty dedicated to watch that every week. The only reason I see them is because I'm there. (laughs) Mm. I say the the only downside to all this is that it would be more of my weekend when I'd want to be sat at home watching TV. Rather than out doing nothing, there is that. There is <laughs> yeah, that. That's true. But then you, you know, you, we've got a great Formula One. have got a great digital team nowadays, and you'll be able to watch the highlights on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, so. it's true. Um, plus, I mean, look, one argument against this sort of thing has always been, oh, but you might end up having a world champion crowned on a Saturday rather than a Sunday. And like, <laughs> so what? So, so what? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Me, me and so you have been watching. We've had him crowned in like Singapore. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does it really matter if it's I mean, if it's the Saturday? I would have other Sunday. Come yeah. on. I will only see my champions crowned on the Sabbath. <laughs> on I know. The day. Me and you, Stu, have been watching a lot of cricket recently, and that's a sport where <laughs> yeah. you can buy a ticket to go and watch the sport on the fourth or fifth day of a test, and then it'll get to day three. Like, actually, oh, it's over. There isn't any. Yeah. Sorry, that, that ticket's worthless. <laughs> Guys, you can go to an event that's a, th- a five-game series and it's already one after three and there's exactly, still two yeah. games to watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> of five days, there's ten days of cricket that are like utterly pointless because yeah. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years and years ago, um, someone I knew at uni, I think it was, um, worked on something to do with Formula One, just like a one-off thing. Um, and he said to me afterwards, like, well, so... The champion has been crowned now, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, so why do they do the rest of the races? And I was like, well, because <laughs> they're, they're the races. That's that's what they do. Like, Yeah, yeah but they don't mean anything. It's like, but yeah, but they, they, they've been planning these things for years. They have to happen. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, one more modification I'd make to your rule set, Stu. You mentioned keeping the Friday practice sessions to, because that's a good time for young drivers. I would modify that further to say, maybe seven or eight free practices per season teams have to run a young driver. Yeah. Yeah. We're good to have dedicated sessions for that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I like that idea. Do you know what that's good for as well? That's maybe a more practical solution to the 
junior team we've discussed in the past where yeah. at least you're not trying to force a seat to be available for somebody graduating from F2, but at least there's a lot more chance of them being able to get in a car and get decent track time on the Fridays as part of an F1 program because there's like these mandatory sessions that it's the same as the young drivers test at the end of the season, is it? Like you have to meet certain criteria to be eligible to drive the car in those tests. Um, and the teams use them to kind of flex out potential talent and see who they want on, on their yeah. programs, I guess, don't they? And it'd be like having that like every other race weekend or something like that, which I think it'd be pretty cool to see. Um, and it'd also give, a more casual spectators, a better chance to see what we get to see. Like we're addicts to a degree, and you know we watch as many of the sessions as we can. We watch as many of the F two sessions as we can, as many of the F three sessions as we can. So we like know these names coming through because of because of that side of it. And sometimes you'll you can mention a name like that, and and it can be lost on somebody that's solely focused on the F1 side of things. Yeah. So it would give someone like that a lot more opportunity to see this up-and-coming talent. So rather than they just landing in F- someone landing in F1 and everybody raving about them, the, you, people have already got an idea of who this driver is, where they've come from, like what their experience is. And it just opens all that up a lot more, I think, to, to more casual fans. Yeah, I think so. I think that your casual fans probably not going to be as inclined to watch Friday practice as as you you're sort of slightly more hardcore fan, but still like they yeah you're right in that it give them exposure yeah yeah the start of FP one the commentator can say the young drivers in this weekend are yeah yeah you know Nick DeFries Jack Aitken Tatiana Calderon this is who they drive for in F two and this is how they're doing this season and as you say it just kind of gives a bit more exposure and knowledge to the next step down. Yeah. yeah, and it's all it's all super license points for them as well because obviously also practice true, miles yeah. help count towards that, and they have to have done so many miles before they can get the super license. So, if you've got somebody talented that's pretty close, that's a it's an ideal way to to help them build that up as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you, are you listening, Ross? Ross? <laughs> Ross? <laughs> he listens. He definitely listens. <laughs> Uh, moving on, uh, Williams have extended their deal with Mercedes to continue using their engines until the 2025 season. Um, that is the entirety of that news story. I don't know if you have anything to say about it. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to have the um, fastest, in theory, most reliable. Uh, well, it's not the fastest anymore. The second fastest the and most reliable engine yeah. on the F1 grid in your car that you needed to do a hell of a lot of work on to get it back to the sharp end. It's one less um, thing yeah. for them to worry about, isn't it, I guess? Exactly. I was yeah. about to say, like, the, the thing that is helping them at the moment um, to attempt to close that gap and at least score points on occasion is the fact that they have a fairly decent ability to get to the end of the races. And it's in part due to the fact that they're not really having any failures from the Mercedes power unit package and the yeah. gearbox package and stuff like that, which it probably is the most reliable on the grid, I would say. Uh, even are. if we had those incidents with the new ones recently, like generally speaking, the Mercedes from memory would probably be the one that fails the least. Yeah, o- o- over the last sort of few years, it's been by far the most reliable engine. Yeah, yeah. they are still the only team this year to have not had a retirement, actually. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, they are they're blown up in practice when they've got, haven't they? Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. Um yeah. next up, uh Haas. Uh, as we've mentioned before, they ran a bunch of new car alt car comparison tests. Um and the conclusion of all those tests they've said is that <laughs> neither one of them was particularly great, so they're going to be running a hybrid of the two for the rest of the season, basically. <laughs> a little from column A and a little from column B. Essentially, yes, which I don't know about you, but doesn't fill me with confidence that they're suddenly going to turn their fortunes around. Let's just hope that they get the good parts of each car and not the bad bits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they'll end, they'll end up with one car that's the two best bits plastered together and one car that's the two worst bits plastered together. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cut and shut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they've also revealed pictures of their car for the rest of the season and now they've parted ways with their previous title sponsor. I'm not sure why they bothered because it's literally exactly the same livery just without that sponsor branding. But <laughs> yeah, they felt the much. need to release pictures of their 
their car. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we won't be having a drastically different Haas for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, why would you bother repainting the car for a handful of races at the end of the season? But I, I suspect they'll probably return to their modelled after a tooling machine livery next season, unless they <laughs> decide to bring on a new title sponsor. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that's literally what it is. The old Haas livery was just the same paint job as their Haas automation tooling machines. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would be nice for at least a car to keep that black and gold livery. Um, but I feel like, somebody... the, like uh, the entire sentiment around that livery... It just stunk from the start. I think. Yeah, I feel so, like they're keeping it because it's just easier. I don't. I think they'll be getting rid of that look as quickly as they can, given yeah, events this year. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was just such blatant skullduggery. The whole thing, as well, wasn't it? It was always. It was so transparent from the very beginning of the season that this was going to happen. Everyone we, except Hass seemed to see that. Yeah, this is one of the reasons that we, we've avoided talking about it realistically isn't it because it's just it's been daft to a degree like it's been a little silly but yeah. it it's it to me just to like sort of briefly mention it i guess to me it said a lot <laughs> when vj malia and force india decided we're not going down this route with you guys <laughs> see you later like uh, considering what then subsubsequently happened at force india yeah. that yes. sort of makes you think mm, yeah Ooh, like what you know like clearly they didn't want to do business with them for a reason so yeah i mean that that, that kind of shows you that vj whatever his situation is like you know it's not for me to say he's a proper racer and he wanted what he genuinely seemed to want what was best for that team Come yeah on. sorry Absolutely. what what, I'm, what i mean by that is like even if the, the money was coming in he knew that like even if the money was yeah. coming into Haas, he knew there was something not right about rich energy and he yeah, knew exactly. it was a deal that was only going to make the false india situation worse and he told them to to do one is yeah. what i was getting at so i wasn't trying to have a dig at vj i didn't mean it to sound like that if it did <laughs> it didn't sound like that at all. i was just yeah i just wanted to say that the guy is a racer for sure it's just yeah he's, i guess he's been a bit unlucky with uh, the way things have turned out for him yeah yeah uh moving on to singapore uh racing point are bringing their final upgrades of the season this weekend um which they said are aimed at fixing some ongoing aero issues uh, they also said they expect to be strong in Singapore. They were obviously strong in the last couple of races because straight line tracks have always done well for them. But they also reckon they're going to do well in Singapore. Um, team principal Otmar Shafsar said they have, quote, some tricks up their sleeve. Who mm. knows what that means, but they reckon they're going to be quick <laughs> around Singapore. Mm. Okay. Blue um, shell. <laughs> blue shell blue shell someone actually i think we shared it on our facebook page someone did a very good mario kart edit of the italian grand prix yeah that was um, good yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was okay it was okay <laughs> not as good as the ones of formula e do but then yeah i was gonna say did you see that's the formula, formula e, e themselves doing them yeah yeah that's true i'm not sure i believe they're going to be quick in singapore really do you not i think that they've been decent this last few races i think they'll i think they should do all right hmm. Yeah, I guess so. They're they're definitely. They're, I mean, they've been on the upswing, but then given where they started the season, you'd hope so. Yeah, it just yeah. looks. I don't know. It just looks like the the investment that was made into that into that team early doors this season, and well, towards this time last year, really, wasn't it? It's finally. This is the time when you're going to actually finally start to see things. Sort of, this should be the time that things start to come sort of into place for them. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have faith. Like they have been on an upward swing, and yeah, I think um, I'd, I'd be keeping my eye on those this weekend. Uh, and then finally, um, to talk about the Marina Bay circuit in Singapore itself, um, this might be the last time for a number of years that we have uh, this layout. Um, definitely for next year's race, and maybe as long as twenty twenty five. There's some major construction work starting there before next year's race along the waterfront. Um, it's between turn 17, which is the one where PK deliberately crashed to help Alonso win. In that was ten, ten years ago. <laughs> Would you believe that was ten years ago? We don't talk ago? about that. We don't talk about that. Right, yeah. Moving swiftly on. Whisper. Um, and turn 18, which is where the track turns left under the grandstand. Basically, they're doing massive construction work all the way along. Then, so 
they think what's going to happen is instead of all that section, they're just going to cut out the lot and just go straight on from turn 15 all the way to turn 20, cutting those four silly corners away. Potentially making it a much more interesting track. That's a great idea. The the breaking (laughs) zone into what would be, what's that, 20, the the right-hander that comes... Yeah, the right-hander that comes out from the, the stadium bit or the grandstand bit, whatever you want to call it. That'd be an interesting breaking zone. After yeah, that it'll be a huge breaking zone. It'll be mm. that'll be a proper big stop that because you're going into a ninety degree right hander. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you've got a big left onto sort of what becomes another left into the, the yeah, double left yeah. onto the, the start. The sort of double straight. kink onto the start finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's an interesting. Com- it's already an interesting complex of corners anyway because the breaking into the bit where you go under the grandstand is actually very very difficult. You often see. Mm mistakes there you often see every race i think we've had someone or every every year someone at some point has gone into the wall yeah because it's low grip it's off camber it's very very difficult to get the car turned into that well they've only got one more year to stick it in the wall there Um, yeah i mean we are talking about a circuit with 23 corners so i mean we can lose four of them and be all right can't we yeah i guess i guess one thing it would do is if they change that it would Singapore is always the one that really pushes the new time limitations of a race, isn't yeah. it? Because if there are safety cars, and this is always the one where it's like, oh, are we going to make laps or is it going to go to time? And I guess taking that sector out, whether it's for construction reasons or otherwise, it it would bring that lap time down and I guess make that less of an issue. It uh, should do, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how it affects the races in general. I think that's going to take how many seconds? Let's let's just hazard a guess. I well, it depends what a lap time is. Um, what's a lap they're time f- around there? They're four slow corners. The one forty something like that. Fastest lap uh, last year was one one forty one. Was the fastest race lap in a race? Yeah, yeah. So what's the fastest quality lap? Doing? Do you know what's the lap one thirty six zero was the fastest. So you're gonna you, you're shaving. What let's see. You got a big breaking zone. Then you got a really Mickey Mouse lefty. Then another lefty. Then a righty. And then you'd be going top speed through there. I think you, you're saving like six seven seconds, but more than that. I yeah, least, I, I, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have probably knocked ten seconds off that with yeah. the way that you're gonna come straight down, straight down from essentially through a kink at fifteen, straight on at what was sixteen. Yeah, straight down That'll to twenty. That's throttle. going to That'll take quite. Easy, yeah, exactly. 15. You're going to be yeah, exactly straight all the way down there. You probably knock at least ten seconds off that. Well, they should have done this years ago. I know, right? <laughs> Which it'll also make the setup for this track really interesting because having that much. That'll be like two really long flat out sections on the circuit now, which you're going to want to shave a lot of aero off. Mm. But it's still a street circuit with a lot of ninety degree corners. That this honestly might be the best thing that's ever happened to this circuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could well be. Yeah. Could they, be. They seem to mess around with this circuit every year. Can you remember the Singapore Slick? Oh, Can you God. remember that? Do yeah. I? Yeah. That that was a really Mickey Mouse section. That oh, was didn't need to be there. Yeah. Horrible. Um, Horrible bit of track. Yeah. So glad. Uh, well, I'm, I, I look forward to that in a year's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so some storylines going into this weekend's race. Uh, first up, uh, Albon could have a genuine opportunity to win a race at a track that should suit his Red Bull. Uh, so the pressure will be on him for this weekend and also have a stamp and who'll want to stamp his authority here after a couple of average weekends, um, to put it mildly. Yeah, I mean, Red Bull have traditionally <laughs> gone well here, haven't they? Yeah, so, yeah, generally. They were close last year. In qualifying, they were only three temps off um, in quality last year. And um, Verstappen finished second in the very race. close second, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it, nah, you're thinking of a different. I think you, you're thinking of the year before. I think. Oh, am I? But yeah, um, it might be actually. Uh, last year it was eight. It was nearly nine seconds down the road last year, so he still kept okay. the Mercedes honest for the entire race. I think there was a period. I think they did battle for a bit, and then he dropped off. I seem to remember. Um, yeah, actually, that sounds about right. Through the traffic, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, and he dropped off right at the end. I think his tires just left him. At the very end, I don't have yeah. a um, thing. I, what I should have done was watch the 2018 highlights, <laughs> highlights, but I didn't. He doesn't write anything down, but he does watch all previous races in preparation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as we said before, like Albon's gone well now in the Red Bull at two tracks that that car shouldn't really go well at. Mm. Whereas this is the first time 
that car should actually be on the podium, really. It's definitely on, with a shout, yeah. It should be in the Yeah, mix. in a shout at the podium. So, yeah, a lot of pressure on him. Um, this is, in fact, the kind of track that should pull the top three cars close together. Um, so we should expect a huge battle for pole position on Saturday <laughs> afternoon slash night. Stu's written down here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah, qualifying is still at night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, um, it's just not... It's it's around the same time as race start. Um, yeah, that's it's, it's obviously your practice sessions that are earlier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's fully dark. It's fully t- dark by the time yeah. qualifying starts. Um, yeah, this yeah, should be a bit closer. I think given the performance of the Ferrari at the last couple of races and the performance of the Red Bull as well at the last few, and particularly Hungary, I, and the Mercedes is... It's got Lewis Hamilton in it. I think that at least the top, the top six should be relatively close together. I think closer than we've seen mm. so far this season. That's yeah. my it's it is kind of opinion, but I'm it's an educated guess. Toto Wolf agrees with you. Toto has said that you'd be mad to discount Ferrari this weekend. He thinks they'll be much quicker than uh, they have been on this sort of track earlier in the season. But then again, Toto always says Ferrari are going to be the fastest car and then goes on to get a one-two. So As long as they get through turn one and don't crash into each other, we'll be fine. (laughs) 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 Next, racing point, we've already mentioned, looking to head into the later part of the season as the fourth fastest car. So pressure will be on Perez and Stroll to deliver on the... Marina Bay Streets. Uh, Stu seems to have more faith in Racing Point this weekend than I do, as yeah. we've already discussed. <laughs> Can you tell I wrote these storylines? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think with Racing Point, like, like I mean, we've just mentioned all of it, really. But yeah, like they are looking. They've said that they aim to have the fourth fastest car um, at the end of the uh, by the end of the season. And this update here, and then I think they've got another big update planned not long in the future as well. Um, should I mean, these sounds like pretty substantial updates they're bringing onto the car? So if you know if that's what they're doing late in the season, then they should at least be looking at ending the season sort of ahead of. Uh, I think they're just behind Toro Rosso in the championship at the moment, so they should at least be catching them. They might even nick sort of fifth place off of um, off of Renault because um, Renault are a bit of a way that they're going to be chipping away at. McLaren now. The McLaren's kind of dropped off a little bit, hasn't it? So that midfield fight—they've had a kind couple of, of very dynamic races, haven't they? That's the problem that they've had a couple of unlucky races where things have given up on them. Yeah, and they've DNF'd or like wheels haven't been on properly. It's like yeah. it's been bad luck more than anything, more than poor performance from a from a car perspective. Um, you've got to remember that we're still running fairly well at the point that some of these things have happened. Like Lando was due to finish fifth in Spa and. Science yeah. was doing all right before the wheels came off, literally. So <laughs> it's it's a pinch of salt, I think, that the fact that Renault were closing in on them because it's just through pure bad luck. So I th- I'd hope to see McLaren bounce back to form and just yeah. get just need a clean weekend essentially without without any of the issues that they've had over the last couple. Yeah, but what do you That's... think about? Um... Racing points chances of catching Renault then because that's that's really uh, where they ought to if they if they're going to be the fourth fa- fourth fastest car then at the very least they should be looking at finishing fifth in the championship at this I, stage. I guess what we need to work out is have Renault actually found something in the car that we started seeing at Monza or is it purely just that the aero strip back highlighted the fact that the power units are not that bad they've just got a bad aero package and I think it's probably the latter because of how well. McLaren have done with the same power unit so mm. I've got a feeling that if Racing Point get their updates right then yes they will close down on Renault cool it's so how I would see it it's an exciting one to uh, watch out for for the remainder of the season not just um, that could be a season story remainder of the season yeah, storyline I, yeah. I think so I think that fourth fifth sixth seventh is going to get very close towards the end of the year yeah mm. Uh, next, can Vettel recover after a dreadful race at Monza? Uh, he's now only three points from a one-race ban on his super license, um, so he can't afford any mistakes. Uh, he desperately needs a trouble-free weekend. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah historically, he's not really had a Singapore, has he? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got a bit unlucky in what was it, 2016, when um, 
was it was that the, the big accident in the race start? that was 2017 17, 2017 sorry. when he got sandwiched yeah yeah when um, Verstappen hit Raikkonen and uh, <laughs> into Vettel or whatever it was at the tweet, the the classic tweet where Ferrari just oh yeah viewed the incident with their own eyes yeah and nobody else saw anything that Ferrari saw yeah one of the a... best tweets in F one that one yeah oh we did a really good episode graphic for that one as well didn't we we had um what's his name as the speaker oh. for uh, yeah. the White House yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, was, it was. <laughs> I've already forgotten his name. Ferrari team principles change that quickly. They just like fall out of your head, don't they? Yeah. Oh, uh, a Bene, that's who it was. That's yeah, it was a Bene, yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, can Leclerc continue his supreme run of form and continue to take the fight to the Mercedes in the latter half of the season? Let's hope so. Yeah, I think momentum's with him, isn't it? Like, yeah, it, definitely. If anyone can make the best use out of the Ferrari, it, it's going to be him. So Yeah. At the very least, I'm backing him to be the faster Ferrari this weekend. Whether he can beat yeah. the Red Bulls and Mercedes is a different question. Yeah, I think a good strong end to the season would do his confidence and sort of his valuation within the team, the world of good as well. Like it's not yeah. like they don't hold him in high esteem already, but to to see the season out well and show that the Ferrari really can fight with the Mercedes in in the right circumstances. I think that would have any member of the Tifosi as happy as they can be with the yeah. second place in the, <laughs> in the constructors. So that being said, do you want to give me a driver to watch? Difficult. Mm. I say that like it's a question. It's non-optional. Give me one. Give me I one. Think, I think Vettel, <laughs> for me, he he needs to sort out this sort of rut that he's fallen into again. And I feel like we were saying this at a similar point last season where he seemed to have fallen off the wagon a little bit so yeah he ne- I think he needs to get on top of this and just stop all the whispers and rumours about him because that won't help and he needs to just get on top of it and get a decent weekend out of the way and just basically silence the doubters I guess yeah mm, that's a good one um, mine um We've not mentioned him really much this episode, but I'm going to say Bottas. Hmm. Um, the reason for that is that he did. He was the faster car. Uh, he was the faster Mercedes at uh, in, in the race, at least in uh, at Monza. And he really needs to, you know, he needs to be beating him at this point if he's going to have any. The championship is more or less, you know, Hamilton's got a finger on the championship at this point, hasn't he? Or he will have yeah. if he wins this race. So Bottas needs to do everything he can to stop that from happening, to get ahead of his teammate and to um, take us to the end of the season with this championship because <laughs> no one else is close enough to do it, sadly. Yeah. Um, I am going to say, despite everything I've said about Racing Point, I'm going to say Sergio Perez um, <laughs> because if that car does come good, then he is the one to do it. He's got a pretty decent record in Singapore, except for when he's crashing into his teammate. Um, <laughs> so if you can avoid Lance Stroll, which is likely because they uh, they've not been near each other on the racetrack very often this year, um, yeah. I think Perez could be a, a good shout for a decent points finish. Nice. Um, how about a team to watch? I, I think for me, it's probably those racing point updates as do mention in the storylines. Um, just to see where they're at, see if you can get an idea for where they are at. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a very good one. <laughs> mm. um, Sorry, <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm gonna go team to watch. It's got to be Red Bull, hasn't it? You know that they, they, yeah. they're putting they're putting a lot into a lot of faith in into their car for this race. You know they've worked their engine upgrades towards being in a good place for this race. So. A, they really need their engine to perform and to be reliable. And B, they need their drivers to perform and, and not be putting it in the walls and be rock solid because this is famously one of the... It's a Red Bull circuit, make no yeah. mistake. So, yeah, that I'll be keeping a close eye on them. You know, part of me randomly now wants to go back after this episode and check how many times over like the last five years 
a Red Bulls ended up with some kind of power unit penalty in Monza heading into Singapore. <laughs> because they do tend to do it every so often, don't they? Like the whole, let's just take the penalties here because we're not going to do much here anyway and Singapore's around the, uh, around the yeah, corner. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. I'd be interested to actually go back and see how many times they've done it over recent years. I'll report back uh, later date. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I was also going to say Red Bull for much the same reasons Stu's mentioned. I mean, they've they've done well at this track in previous years where they've not really done much else for the rest of the year. Um, whereas this year they've actually been decent and won some races. So yeah, yeah, I think they're going to go very well. Yeah. This is um, it. Like we haven't in recent races we haven't seen, and this is why I say they're coming closer together. The three top teams because we these recent races we have not seen the kind of Mercedes dominance that we saw in the first half of the season. No, not at all. You know, in yeah. in um, in Austria, uh, the Red Bull was the quickest car. In Germany, I mean Germany was just Germany, wasn't it? It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> but even so, you know they. They they dropped the ball there. Um, then it was Hungary after that, and um, he was given a real run for his money by Verstappen. Verstappen could have won it had um, their tire strategy. Well, had, had the car been slightly quicker, but you know, it was that was a close one. And then the last two races have been won by Ferraris, so it's yeah. all to play for right now. Very much so. Do you know what um, else ties in with that as well is there was a story that we talked about uh, a fair few race weekends ago now, like probably talking a couple of months ago, but <clears throat> it was the story that Ferrari had basically found an issue with the wind tunnel data in comparison to what they were seeing on track. And they they, they were basically saying, we found an issue. We're now on top of said issue and it's highlighted why certain updates just haven't been working for us on track. And in honesty, since that news pretty much is when we've seen this upturn in performance from them and, and, and better consistency and being able to put up a better fight against the Mercs and make better use of their advantages when they're in the right position. So I think there's probably a lot to be said for whatever went on there. Um because that seems to have been the turning point for them to, to actually start taking the fight to Mercedes. Yeah. And long may it continue. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Um, so let's see just how good we think Red Bull are going to be. Um, <laughs> who wants to take us through predictions? Um, right then, let's do some predictions. It is the... What Grand Prix is it? It's the Singapore Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about it for 40 I know, we've been talking minutes, about it for 40 minutes and still I don't know what the name of it. Um, 61 laps around the 5.063 kilometer circuit. For um, now. To- for now. <laughs> Total race distance of 308.706 kilometers. For now. And... <laughs> Um, apparently a lap record, according to this, by Kevin Magnussen in 2018, a 141.905. That's, of course, a race lap record, not a um, qualifying lap record. Record. 23 corners, guys. 23 opportunities to make mistakes and to <laughs> lose time. Um, so, who will make the least mistakes? Tom, who's your Ooh. fastest in Q3? Um... I think just given previous form here, I'm going to have to say Lewis. Feels a bit boring, <laughs> I knew you'd go Lewis. I knew you'd go Lewis. I I'm think gonna I'm going to have to. Well. I'm Lewis as well. Chris? I'm really struggling with this one because mm. Mercedes, it's not Mercedes' best circuit, but then Lewis just has a habit like he did last year of pulling the lap of his life out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. And honestly, I think he's going to do it again. So it's boring, but I'm going to go Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay. And uh, um, it's my turn to go first. Race win, I am going to say Verstappen for the race win. Uh, do you Chris. know what? So am I. Oh, goodness. And Tom? I was, I'm basically torn between Hamilton just going lights to flag and something going on that means Verstappen steals it. Ah. I think just to be different to you two, 
I'm gonna say Lewis will go lights to flag. I'm okay, really torn I... between the two, and I'm 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 hoping I don't regret that. <laughs> well, you, I'm gonna request something of you both now, and you <laughs> might hate me for it. I want to change my fastest qualifier to Verstappen. <sighs> um, ooh, mm, uh, because mm, <laughs> uh. I jumped the gun a little bit and I got excited because you both did it, and I was. <sighs> Can I, I change guess he's it? not pressed the submit button on the form on the website yet. We'll allow it. We'll allow it's it. It's done. Okay. As long as he at some point does press the button on the website for me <laughs> this week. Oh. <laughs> Inside joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the best ones are the ones people don't get. Uh, exactly. <laughs> first <laughs> DNF. Uh, whose turn to go first? It's Chris's turn to go first. Um, I mean the the flow chart says Grosjean. There's plenty of walls. I forgot about the flow. There's chart. loads yeah. of walls. Walls. Just, I mean, there's nothing but walls. But given his Monaco struggles, I'm gonna say Stroll. Stroll. Mm. Interesting. Um, Tom. Um. I've only just noticed that Stroll's abbreviation is the same as Scuderia Toro Rosso. Yes, it, it is. Indeed. It is indeed. So given that you put STR, if one of the Toro Rosso's retires first, I also get <laughs> points. <laughs> no. English. <laughs> That's not how this works. Um, <laughs> oof. I'm just going to pull a name out and it's Giovinazzi. <laughs> hmm, okay. Um, I am going to go Danny Kvyat. And then it is Tom's turn to say the number of finishes. Um, well, how many did we have last year? <laughs> so um, last year it was 19. The year before it was 12. So <laughs> I think yeah. last year was an anomaly. A little bit like we almost had 20 finishes at Monaco, I think. Oh, no, we did so. have 20 finishes at Monaco this year, did we not? An anomaly. Or 19 or 20, yeah. I'm calling it an anomaly and going 14. Ooh, 14, okay. It is low. It's 14. Um, I'm going to go old... Fa- I'm going to go 16 for this one. Um, Chris, what are you doing? Oh, you keep stealing my ideas. Oh, do you know what? I'll go between you and I'll say 15. 15, okay. Um, and then finally, Rando Drivo, Chris. There's only six left and there's some big names in there. <laughs> it I love is... this part of the season. Pierre Gasly. Gasly, Ooh. not such a big name. No, but a difficult one, nonetheless. Gasly, where were the Toro Rossos last year? So Brendan Hartley finished um, 17th, and the other Toro Rosso was actually Pierre Gasly in 13th last season. I don't know what to do with these two. That's a hard one. Mm. Um, Do you know know what? I'm going to go first and just put this out there. Go on then. I'm going to go 15th. 15. And that he's one of my DNFs. Uh, okay. Mm. Oh, you've got. F- okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 14th. I'm going to have a bit more faith and go for a. Mm, 12th. Yes! I have my fingers over 1 and 2 for you to say 12th. <laughs> <then. laughs> I'm cool. so good at this predictions, game. <laughs> You're, you're good at knowing what, what you're going to, to say. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. predicting the other predictors. You're an extra layer of predictions deep. <laughs> yeah. But who predicts the predictors? Prediction inception. Uh, so that is what we think. But if you think you know better, which you almost certainly do, uh, you can go to backofthegrid.com. And if you haven't already, you can sign up for the Predictions League and take part. Even if you've never taken part before, there's a prize every week for anyone who gets five out of five. So please do get involved. Uh, you have until the beginning of qualifying to enter your predictions. Um, and let's finish with a bit of inbox, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do the first one. Uh, Stony Boyo says, can we sustain these amazing races we've been having or have we just been lucky considering how dead the Drivers' Championship is? <laughs> um, I don't see why not. Yeah, it's... I mean, I do think there's some truth to what you said earlier, Stu, that the grid does seem to be closing up as the season goes on. And I think that is a part of why we've had these closer races in mm, recent yeah. months. I think so, yeah. So fingers crossed, 
yes. Yeah. There we go. Hopefully. Very, very straightforward <laughs> answer for you there. <laughs> uh, next, yeah. Stephen Barlow says, uh, if Shaw beats Seb by a good load of points by the end of the season, will he walk? And if so, who will take his seat? Uh, mm-hmm. Kimi with Hawk going to Alpha. I really do see Seb walking this year, but it'll be a shame for F1. Mm. It is a good question. Who would Ferrari go for if if Seb walked? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, there Who were rumours for a long time that um, Ferrari were keeping an eye on Ricardo, weren't there? Yeah. Do you think yeah. they'd throw money at Renault until they released him? No. Do you know what, though? That would definitely, 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, be... <laughs> My favorite driver line. Oh, absolutely! Ever. Oh, that that would make me become a Ferrari fan, and I never yeah. thought I'd say that. That's it. I'm I'm done with everything. If those two become teammates <laughs> of Ferrari, that's that's it. I could definitely not hate Ferrari if uh, <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo drove for them. Mate, I'm full on to Fossi if it happens. <laughs> I'll be in Monza with my air horn yeah. and my flag. <laughs> Face painted red, white and green. Yeah. I, I think I'd really struggle to be a Ferrari fan, but I would, <laughs> I, I, I could, I, I mean, I am a um, Danny Rick fan, so... I wouldn't mind seeing him winning in a Ferrari. I wouldn't mind seeing him winning in anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just wanted to win at the minute. Yeah, doesn't matter what it's in. But would do, would that make me a Ferrari fan? No. We've, I've answered Ooh. a completely different question there, but anyway. Yeah, but we've, <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Dat's life say had an idea to increase excitement and difficulty for the drivers at some point during the race for a single lap. Decided at random that none of the ra- drivers know about. Turn all the lights out. <laughs> all right, Bernie. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know how do safe that would be but. do you remember actually it must have been 2008 the first Grand Prix I'm pretty sure it was McLaren released yeah. a little video yeah. where they showed off their special Singapore car with a bunch of lights strapped to the front wing Yeah, and it's amazing yeah. how many people believe that that was real Yeah, yeah. these just great big like rally, rally lights style on the yeah lights on the front of it yeah I remember that yeah. um just in like you know just for fancy silliness sake you could totally put a string of leds really bright leds in the front of a front wing nowadays and they'd be absolutely sufficient to light the the track in front of a car um Mm. but the point of doing that when you've got huge you've got hundreds of and literally hundreds of lights (laughs) around the circuit would be um void wouldn't it so there's <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure i want to see the lights going out Ima- <laughs> in seriousness in seriousness imagine if there was some kind of power failure while the you know mid-race well i was about to say you'd probably just get a red flag thrown instantly wouldn't you but then you wouldn't, like fuck you wouldn't see it, see it. You, you wouldn't see it yeah if there was a big the LED. well i guess you wouldn't see on the led boards would you because you'd have thought that they would connect it to different systems for like yeah yeah you have yeah, to yeah, assume cautionary reasons yeah. planned for all of this when they decided that's, to do a night race that's an it yeah. i wonder how many of them would stop if the lights went out and how many of them would carry on struggling round <laughs> you know what knowing f1 drivers i think most of them would carry it try and carry on i think they would They'd, until they were absolutely told not to yeah i think a lot yeah of them yeah, yeah. Would. yeah definitely yeah, definitely um, Charlie says, um, this World Drivers' Championship is for sure Hamilton's, but lots of people seem to think his next one won't be so easy. Before the summer break, Ferrari wasn't really anywhere and Red Bull were lacking a second driver who could uh, properly support Max. Now that both those issues seem to be in the past, or at least we hope, do you think we'll start to see results more akin to what we've been hoping for during 2020 throughout the rest of this season? It's a distinct possibility, I think. Yeah, I think we're already starting to see it to a degree. Like, we're finally able to say, this is a track where the Ferrari should dominate, and then it goes and does it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Been, we did that earlier in the season and looked like <laughs> absolute idiots, and now at least we can go, this is a track that should suit the Ferrari, and then it goes it and happens. So I think it's already starting to come good a little bit, and I think that these the Red Bulls and the Ferraris behind Lewis will make this 
as close as they possibly can by the end. They're not going to give up by any stretch. Um, obviously, like we said earlier, he's kind of got one finger on it already, hasn't he? But they're not going to give up and they will do whatever they can because it only takes a few DNFs, like two, maybe three DNFs in what's left in some tricky circuits. There's a lot of walls in Singapore. Yeah. Is it, well, Hamilton's <laughs> like two and a half DNFs ahead. Yeah. So. <laughs> And even yeah. then, I don't think the Ferraris would have caught him up. I think it'd be it'd be Bottas who'd caught it's him. It'd be Bottas. Yeah. yeah. No one else. Even then, he could probably afford to lose. I think he might even be like three. Let me just look at the championship. Um, it was about sixty points, I think, that he's ahead of Bottas at the minute. Yeah, he's sixty-three points ahead of 63. Bottas. He's a hundred. He's ninety-nine points ahead of Verstappen. So he's three, basically four retirements. And yeah. then Verstappen is only have like hand. one point ahead of him. Yeah, if Hamilton doesn't score for three rounds and Bottas gets two wins in a second, that'd be enough to catch him up. <laughs> so <laughs> things have to really change for uh, for that yeah. to happen. Yeah, but you never but know. It's Formula we- One; anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that'll do us for this week, won't it? Uh, yeah, that is it. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for sending in your inbox and all of that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, please do get involved with the Predictions League. Um, we're getting more and more people every week, so keep on entering if you've not before. As always, you can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1, uh, on Facebook, just search Back of the Grid, and we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. And backofthegrid.com is where you can find our website, which is where the Prediction League lives. And when you're in all those places, please do like, share, subscribe and all those things because it helps us out lots. And that'll do us for this week. Uh, so until next week when we talk about the Singapore Grand Prix, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.